Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Estás escuchando Échale Podcast, a podcast where we embrace our Latinidad. The good, the bad, the ugly. You love English? Te encanta el español? Well, we got a whole lot of Spanglish. A storytelling podcast. And like my mom used to say, Échale mijo que tú puedes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Échale Podcast. My name is Jose Quintero and I'm so excited. You know... Before I introduce this person, I want to give give you guys a little bit of background because I honestly think she's one of the most incredible people I have had the pleasure to meet and get to know. I went with uh, to, with her to Cal State San Bernardino. We graduated. We both went our separate ways, but she literally has started an empire on social media to to help women take care of themselves. And that is so refreshing to hear just because I feel like there's not a lot of people talking about self-care. You know, there's a lot of people talking about um, self-care on a mental status and then self-care, you know, in a, an emotional level with relationship and whatnot. But self-care as an individual, I hardly see hear that. And I'm excited to have Cassie Cures here. Cassie, how you been? I have been so good. I'm telling you, man. And you know what? And I think we've always had this energy, even in undergrad. Because remember, we didn't know each other. We have mutuals. But you wouldn't have known that you and I didn't know each other. Because when we saw each other around our mutuals, we were just like, hey, what's up? And then eventually, we were just like, okay, cool, we're friends. Like, that's just it. That's all we know. Like, it's always just in good, positive vibes. So I'm super happy and super excited and super honored that you invited me to be here with you today. You know what? I was like scrolling through your social media the other day and like you said, we have so many mutual friends, but we and we've had so many great conversations on social media in person while we were in college. So people would probably not uh, understand like, oh, they've been friends for such a long time. But I was scrolling through yeah. your social media the other day and I'm like looking, always exploring for new content on um you know, for the, for the podcast. And I'm like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I can reach out to her. And then obviously I follow you on your personal because you have a personal social media. And then <laughs> lo and behold, you have also a business Instagram, which is Cassie Cures. And girl, a hundred, over 100,000 followers. Over a yeah. hundred thousand followers, <laughs> little you who started talking about self-care, you know, and it, it's a thing. Yeah. And it's obvious that this is your gift and that this is what you were, you know, meant for. Like it's your passion mm -hmm. to help others, especially women talk about self-care. First of all, let's go ahead and define what does self-care mean? Oh my gosh, it's question's always so tricky for me because people love asking me that. I think because obviously I'm a self-care coach my own self-care wellness business and so i always tell people like i think one of the things that i've learned as i've started this self-care wellness business is that there is no one like definite definition of self-care but if you ask my definition of self-care it is the practices that i do the things that i believe in 
that support and aid my mental and emotional health and just well-being all throughout the many different stages of my life. So like self-care for me in the workplace could, could look like me not attaching my email to my cell phone. Self-care with my family around the holidays is me refraining from talking about specific topics. Self-care for me with my friendships is like, hey, hey, these are the specific kind of people I want to surround myself around with. I don't want to surround myself around people who gossip because that's going to turn me into a gossiper and that's not going to really make me feel good. So just ultimately for me, self-care is figuring out what do I need to be able to live in a constant state of peace and happiness um, or even what are the things that I can do when I'm not living in that state? When I'm sad, when I'm mad and angry, what can I do to kind of still be there and show up for myself through those ugly emotions that we don't like experiencing? Yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate that. I want to start at the root of where Cassie Cure begins because yeah. um, I find it interesting because at first, you know, you don't pay attention to Instagram handles. But then Cassie's cure. Cassie's, Mm -hmm. you were cured from something? You were going through something? Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. Yeah. You know what? It's so, I think it's okay that um, the origin of what started to tell you about, but I always get so antsy when people ask me because when I tell them it started from a heartbreak, they're like, we want to beat you up. And I'm like, no, don't beat you up. (laughs) Like, it's okay. Look at all this great stuff that was birthed from that. But essentially, Cassie's Cure started after um, I was dating someone in undergrad. And they made a choice. They cheated on me. And the way that they cheated on me um, was really, really bad. And I won't go into details, but I will say that the university got involved. And... It was a lot of like rumors all around campus, like, oh, this person, he's this, he's that, he forced, he did, 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 like just all these lies about him. And then you have me, this like innocent bystander who was the girlfriend who was like, wait, what happened? Just randomly finding out that I got cheated on, randomly finding out that the girl is now claiming X, Y, and Z, which ultimately came out to be a big lie. But like, through that process and him just being like breaking up with me because he's like I feel guilty that you're still here or like whatever the case may be so then he like yeah she did on and I was like okay this was not on my bingo card um and I remember my friends and my family that was my first boyfriend ever he was a late bloomer don't worry and, and my family they were like oh, it's first love's curse. You'll be okay. You'll be fine. And I'm like, no, you guys, I don't feel okay. I literally feel like broken. Like, who am I? Like, something feels wrong. And like, shout out to Cal State San Bernardino for giving your students free therapy sessions. Because <laughs> I ended up being like, I'm going to go to therapy because I'm just not like, what y'all are saying is not working. And it was through therapy that I had recognized that he was the, the 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 overshadowing problem, but like underneath him was daddy issues. And so my therapist, like, we started off talking about him, but we like got into talking about like my childhood dynamics and then getting into like self-identity and like self and all that. And she was just like, 
how do you prioritize yourself? Like, you know, we started unpacking all of that. And so our focus in my therapy sessions became me trying to figure out how to practice self-care while still being in college, you know, how to practice self-care around the situation and just really prioritizing my mental and emotional health. And one of the things that I did was I started like a little personal blog and I eventually decided to start sharing it with people like a year after. And as I started sharing it with people, people were like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Like I had those daddy issues or I struggled with that when I first woke up and here was, I struggled with that when it came to friendships and self-identity. And so like just through that blog and you know, us being active at Cal State San Bernardino, me doing all the programming stuff that I was doing. Some of my friends were just like, bro, you should turn this into a business. Like you get the people going, people will come to your events, they'll come to your wellness workshops, they'll come to your self-care, they'll come to your wellness retreats, all that pandemic hit. I had the time <laughs> to turn it into a business, but I just kind of like, it is a play on words. When people ask me what Cassie's care is, it's like, this is what works for me. Like literally, like this is, this is for me. I'm just sharing how I go about you know, prioritizing my mental and my emotional health and my self-care and I share tips and strategies for other people to do it as well but like this was ultimately what I needed this was Cassie's cure and that's why that's the title of my brand my business and now I get to go out and share that with other people and encourage them and help them because you know, the kind of conversations that I've been having with people at my wellness retreats or at my workshops and in my coaching people aren't having regularly with their friends and they should. They're not having regularly with their family and they should because you need these kind of conversations and these events for the sake of your mental and emotional health. So coming from a Latino family and you coming from an African-American family, how mm -hmm. was that conversation? Hey, I'm going to seek therapy. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know if, if, if in your family... It was a taboo. And I'm back in Cal State San Bernardino when we met, I think, um, I don't know what year you graduated. I'm going to go ahead and assume 2015, 2016. I, I, 2017. Okay, 2017. I graduated 2014, but I still stuck around till 2017. Hence why like we still like clicked and talked and whatnot. But still, uh, mental health was becoming a thing. But for older generations, it was like, oh, just something's wrong with you. So how do you explain mm -hmm. to a parent like, I'm going through something and I need help. So that's so funny that you asked that question because I remember when I told my family that I was going to therapy, they're like, what's wrong with you? Or they were like, therapy's for crazy people. Um, and even me going to school right now to become a therapist, I'm like, people have therapy so wrong. Like the stuff that I'm learning, I'm like, oh no, this narrative that's been pushed around about therapists is is really hurting people because it's stopping them from getting the help that they need. But I remember when I first started going um, and my family was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm heartbroken. What do you mean? I was like, I gotta go figure out what's going on. Y'all are not giving me tangible advice. Y'all are telling me to just pray. Y'all are telling me to give us some time. And I'm like, I need more than just those, those words. And my mom and my family and my close friends, they were like, they started seeing a change in my behavior and they were like, I don't know what that therapist is doing, but I'm happy you're smiling again. You're doing this again. And so like, I think for me, I broke the idea of therapy is for crazy people in my family. 
Like I was like, no, they're like, but you're not crazy. I'm like, I know, I know I'm not, but I do have things that I need to work through. And your friends and family just don't always have the answers or they don't have the words to challenge you to think critically sometimes about your life decisions and stuff. And so I think I normalize therapy for my family. You know, people say, oh, we're a generational person. I think for me, I kind of tapped into the mental health one in my family to where now my mom will call me a little bit to process her emotions sometimes. And then I'll let her know like when it's too much because I'm like, hey, sorry, I'm I'm not a licensed therapist. Or even if I was one, you can't practice with your family. <laughs> but like, I recognize how she's even more willing to be like, hey, I'm feeling this way and here's why I'm feeling this way. And what do I do? Versus excuses like, get out of my room, I'm going to go to sleep. Like, but now she's more willing to try to unpack whatever's going on in her mind and stuff. And I think that like older generations have this, oh, you have to, you, if you're going to therapy, you're crazy idea because of the fact that they didn't go to therapy. So they didn't get to experience and see what it could do for them. Like they just had to push through the, the hardest things in their lives. And I think that's why I show my mom grace, my parents grace. Like y'all went through some stuff around this age and y'all didn't have a therapist. You didn't have, you just had your people being like, fuck it up, you'll be fine. You got years of all this gunk from your 20s and your 30s and your 40s that you never got to process. And my mom, she's 58 now. And so she's learning. Yeah, I mean, there's never an age to learn how to have emotional intelligence. And I'm so glad that you're breaking that curse. I do want to uh, talk about your upbringings because you did. I'm just correct me if I'm wrong. Did you grow up in Southern California, like near Cal State yeah. San Bernardino or L.A.? So I grew up between like Pomona okay. and Moreno Valley. So those it was like back and forth between those two cities type of. So talk to me about the, that upbringing because it is a predominantly Latino um, upbringing. <laughs> and how was that for you? Um, did you have some self-identifying issues? Did you, as an African-American woman, were you like, how do I fit in? Um, you know what? I, I've never really had cultural identity issues. I always was just like, um, and, and I don't know if it wasn't emphasized enough in my living space. It was just like, you're a black woman. Cool. And then I think when I made friends, I made black friends and Latino friends. So it was never like, how come all of my friends are only Mexican? Or how come all of my friends are only black? And then on top of that, my sister, her, the father of her kids, her partner, he recently passed, he was Latino. And so his siblings were the same age as me. So we would always go over there. So I think also too, naturally I was used to having Mexican friends to where like, as I got older, like whether it may have been college or even in high school, I had my black friends and I had my Latino friends, but neither one of them ever felt like, damn, pass, choose a side. Like I made it all work. And like when my black friends were like, girl, you think I with a lot of Mexicans? And I was like, okay, they're dope. Or if my Mexican friends were like, oh, you didn't hang out your black friends? I was like, yeah, like what y'all, y'all missing out. Like I kind of felt like I was experiencing 
the best of both worlds. Cause like, again, like I said, my brother-in-law, he was around since I was like seven. And so because I would play with his siblings, I would go over there. His mom would make pozole, abondigas, like all of that. And so like to this day, like now, when I go eat Mexican food, depending on the place I go, I'm like, uh-uh, this is not, this is not the real deal. Like, I can't, <laughs> like, just naturally, I grew up on, whether it's, like, soul food, barbecue, but then also Mexican food at the same time. So, for me, I feel very fortunate to have had that experience, because also my brother would try to teach me Spanish. And sometimes when I do talk to people in Spanish, and Mexican people get, excited, they smile, they're, like, they're amazed. Um, yeah, but I, I was just about to say they always tell me you don't have an accent like they always tell me that and I'm always just like oh well because like my brother told me like you know and so it just kind of was like I've always known that I've had a very fortunate experience to grow up so closely to two different cultures and in a way that where both cultures embrace one another like I didn't really see my side of the family kind of saying, oh, don't date him, or his side of the family saying, don't date my sister. It was there because my sister tells me about it, but me as a little kid, they probably kept that away from me because I always was just like, it's my brother-in-law. This is fun. I'm going to go to his mom's house to eat sometimes, and they're going to come over here. His siblings would be like, oh, can you tell your mom to make this again? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just very welcoming to where I'm just like, and when I see Mexican people, there is a, uh, sometimes like when I'm a, in a social setting, I get excited. I'm like, oh, but I'm like, I hope they are okay with me because I'm so excited to see them because like, this is what I grew up around, both, like, you know? Yeah, no, and I think, uh, uh, and I wanted to ask that question because I want to lead into college a little bit because when I was growing up, there was definitely some type of segregation in uh, Fontana where like the African-American community was so with them, the Latino community was so with them. And to a certain extent, there was a lot of beef and baffles between the two. So when we went to college and I obviously had more Latino friends, but like, for example, Valerie, who introduced mm-hmm. me once we went into the cross-cultural center to you and everybody there. And it was just family because I feel like we understood what being marginalized meant. And mm-hmm. once we were in that level of emotional intelligence and understanding one another and our struggles being so similar, it was, we clicked. And obviously yeah. we're there for the same purpose, to get educated and continue to grow and continue to uh, you know, better the community. After you went to Cal State San Bernardino, you decided to go to Texas where you got yeah, your yeah. master's. How was that cultural difference? That was actually, it was pretty cool because again, like I said, I went over there and I believe if I'm not mistaking, I went, I went to the University of Houston and I believe it's an HSI. And so it was refreshing. To be honest, I felt like I've seen a lot of uh, Mexican people and I've lot of, seen a lot of Black people. And I felt like I saw them be more comfortable than they are in California. Because I feel like a lot of the, like in California, I also grew up with a lot of my friends being undocumented and scared. Like, like But I feel like in Houston, they just were like, we're doing our own thing. Like I, it was beautiful to see them just seem relaxed where they lived. And then also too, I even got, I felt like a little bit more 
deeper into the African-American culture because it's completely different in the South than when it is in California, for sure. So I was like, okay, cool. I got to learn a little bit more about my culture as well. But I, I just soaked it all up. I soaked it in, had a good time. I enjoyed Houston. 10 out of 10 recommend visiting, living. California has spoiled us too much with really good weather. It's hard to live anywhere else. I know. Unfortunately, like on my TikTok, I literally get sponsored ads for like housing in Texas is like 300,000. And I'm like so tempting. But California (laughs) has spoiled me. Uh, Talk to me about your master's because you have a master's and now you're getting a second master's, which is very stigmatized in any and like in society. You know, get your bachelor's, get your master's, get a PhD. Whoa, you're getting two? Like, then that means the first one was a waste of time. Right. And so master's, I got my master's in higher education administration. So obviously being able to work in student affairs, working on college campuses. And I enjoyed it. I love working with college students because I feel like that's a pivotal time to kind of mold their minds and say you were about to finally start making your own decisions. Your parents no longer are making them off for you. Like you're, you're, it's like the pinnacle of you're an adult now. Like this is really happening here in college and being able to pour into students and really help them figure out their own identities outside of who their parents tell them they are, outside of who their friends told them they were in high school. Like, no, they're finding out who I am because they got to buy their own groceries, their own toiletries and all that kind of like, you're you're an adult living in your own dorm on campus. Um, But when I started this self-care and wellness business, and when I would do my coaching calls, at the end of almost every call, a client would be like, wow, you just feel like a therapist. And I'd be like, don't say that because I don't need the government coming for me. I am not trying to be pretend to be a therapist. And I kept getting that so much. And I started asking myself, should I come back to should I go back to school to become a therapist? And um, I was like, maybe I'll go do the PhD program, but I'm like, oh, that's gonna take forever. I don't wanna be in school forever. PhD programs are long. And I was having a conversation with my friend, and he was like, Well, why not do a second master's? And I was just like, Well, because I already have one. And he was just like, What all do you wanna do? And he was like, Do you wanna do research? And I was like, No, because like, do you wanna have conversations with people? And I was like, I want to have conversations with people. He was like, does that require a PhD? And I was like, no. And he was like, so why do you want to go spend more money, take more time to do something that only requires a master's? And I had no comeback. I had no comeback at all. I was like, damn, you got a point. Yeah, I was like, I, I was like, you got a point. But then I also recognized, too, like you said, society is like, it has to be bachelor's, master's, PhD. And actually, I met a few people who are like, I got a second master's. And the more and more that I thought about it and I talk about it with my therapist, I have a master's in something that I know how to do to secure a paycheck, to survive, to get through, use my skill set. But now I'm going to get a master's in something that I am passionate about, like on a personal level. That is completely different. I have a master's that will help me pay bills. And let me use my skills. But to get a master's in something that you're passionate about and that you love, I probably eventually won't feel like I'm working when I'm a therapist because I literally, one's for my passion and one is for my skill set. And I have faith that 
somebody gonna pay them student loans. <laughs> <laughs> we all were like, dude, I have student loans too. And I'm like, oh, come on, Biden, where you at with those 20 grand? Right? You know, at least help me out. I've always said, like, just take away the interest and I'm cool with that. Like, I'll, I'll pay it, just the interest. Like, just let, let me know. But it is what it is. So with this second master's um, as as a therapist, definitely aids Cassie's cure, self-care. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that people can do, especially women? Because I feel like your area is women. Um, what are some things that they could do, obviously, as this year has just started? Yeah. yeah. It's so funny that you say I feel like your audience is women because it's women out loud, but it's men low-key. Like, like... Men will DM me and ask me for advice. And I'll share it with them because I love that. But the moment that I'm like, they're like, why don't you have a wellness retreat for men? I'm like, okay, cool. I'm planning one. Crickets. 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 I'm like, crickets. And I'm like, I should screenshot this DM. But I know guys don't like being exposed. But I'm like, I should screenshot this DM. Or you told me to do this and I did it and you didn't like buy it or whatever the case may be and i'm like what the heck why not do it with you? start one? with your male friends they're the ones i hope they listen to this episode because i'm calling y'all out like those are the main ones and so actually what i've decided to do instead is i will i have a friend who runs his own kind of um i don't want to call it a mental health business. well it's kind of like a mental health business but it's called express yourself black men and he has partnered with, uh, he's in New York, but he's partnered with organizations to kind of help black men get their free therapy, stuff like that. But what I do now is I share the advice that I can for the, for the guys to come in and ask questions. And then I'll say, hey, connect with, connect with him. And even though he has the word black in his business title, you don't have to be black to go to him to ask for help and assistance and stuff like that. So I've recognized that I think my male audience wants me to push them towards another male, which I don't mind doing. So I just go and I, my friends that I know that is, specializes in men's mental health, I'll push them that way. Like, here's the nugget that you asked me for. Also, here's this person that I think you should really connect with that can, that can keep going. Because I think men do need that men's support as well. Of course. Of course. I think... Uh, as someone who has always had a lot more female friends growing up, it was very vital for me to join a fraternity and have that one-on-one male connection just because obviously as a woman, you could talk to another woman about anything, about your body. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is going on. As a man, it's sometimes hard to talk to another man like, hey, this is going on with my body. I remember when I first started having conversations with my male friends in college, which are my best friends, I could literally talk to them about anything now. And it is so important, like you said, to have that connection. So I can see how a man would be like, hey, this is going on, or I'm having trouble with this relationship with a woman, which a Great advice would be to ask another woman, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I can see uh, how that can be a tough conversation. Yeah. But I want you to talk to me about what are some things that men and women can do for self care. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that I like to encourage men and women to do is to pause. I think because mental health and self care has become a buzz topic everyone's like, I need to start practicing that. I need to get into that. Like, 
And they go in with a, I need to get it together mindset in a way that paralyzes them. That, that, that they're going in with their mindset of like, I'm not enough already. And so what I typically like to do is say, don't go in with the mindset that you're not enough. Go in with a mindset of like, okay, I'm going to take some time to kind of sit down and reflect on what I need as a human being. Like, what am I stressing about right now? What can I, what can I confront? What, what makes me happy? What makes me feel relaxed? And then saying, oh, okay, if, if going hiking feels, makes me feel relaxed, you know what? I think I'm going to start adding maybe one or two hiking trips a month. Rather than being like, Cassie's trip page said that you have to just recite an affirmation every morning. Oh my gosh, I'm horrible. I don't recite that affirmation. Like, no, pause, recognize where you are, and then take some time to think about what you need, not what society is telling you that you need. I think that a lot of people, when it comes to self care, they look for answers externally. And I don't blame them for that because that's what they're taught. But real self-care is taking the time to say, I need to get to know myself because I need to get to know what calms me, whether it's breathing exercises, whether it's taking a health day off from work, whether it's vacation. You got to get to know yourself, date yourself, figure it out, and then apply those things to your self-care strategy. Because if you're someone who likes to get massages, for lack of better examples, I'm someone who, like, let's say, goes and gets your nails done. If I say, hey, yeah, get your nails done every week, you're going to feel better. You're not going to feel better. You're probably going to eventually get mad that you're wasting money on that. Versus like, oh, I really do like how I feel every time after I get a massage. Maybe I should start incorporating more of those into my life, you know, around my hectic schedule. Really taking that effort to be like, let me start identifying free time. If my schedule is hectic, what can I take off my plate to stop making it so hectic? Because I'm the one who said yes. I'm the one who would volunteer. Who I create my schedule at the beginning and the end of the day. So I can blame my job for assigning me all these tasks, but I can only blame them so much because I applied here. So I have to acknowledge the role that I play in my own chaos, in my own burnout, step back and start saying, okay, Cassie, what steps can I rearrange to kind of have more peaceful days, to kind of have less hectic days? And it takes time. You can't figure it out in one week. I think society and businesses and large corporations have made us this way. Instant gratification. We want it at our fingertips right then and there. But like self-care, you grow into that pattern over time. So I love that you you said that, like, take a pause and analyze your life. And I want to take the moment to kind of do like a one on one type of thing, because I want to talk about relationships. I feel like the dating scene right now and I'm one right, you know, that goes on dates, these dating apps and whatnot. And I feel like a big thing that I've been focusing on lately is self-love, like loving myself like I've feel like I already love myself, but I feel like I'm I'm not there sometimes emotionally or maybe I just put my make myself so busy that it's hard to for me to connect some to uh, with somebody else emotionally. What would you do in those instances and how do other people also message you about 
you know, relationship advice. Hola, ¿qué tal? Te saluda José Quintero y espero que estés disfrutando de este capítulo de Echale Parques. Pero vamos a platicar de un tema que te va a encantar. Porque si eres padre de familia, si eres estudiante o si eres maestro o maestra, pon mucha atención. Porque te quiero contar sobre la beca nacional de hacer de McDonald's. Desde 1985, McDonald's ha otorgado más de 33 millones de dólares en becas. Y esta vez no va a ser la excepción. Porque este año McDonald's está dando 500 mil dólares en becas y puedes ganarte una beca de hasta 100 mil dólares pero ahora más que nunca ayudar a estudiantes hispanos a ser más que las generaciones anteriores, a ser más de lo que creían ser capaz y a ser más de lo que pensaban que era posible por sí mismos, por su gente, por su cultura y por un mejor futuro. Para más información sobre la beca nacional hacer de McDonald's visita mcdonalds.com Diagonal hacer, aprende más, porque puedes ganar una de 30 becas. Yeah, you know what? I get questions about relationship advice all the time, and I'm like, I've been single for five years. Like, <laughs> I think we've had this conversation on social media too. We're like, dating sucks now. <laughs> yeah, and it's um it's so funny because I'm like, look, y'all, don't let me I'm on track record. I've been dogged out a couple times. But I think now, as I become more patient with dating, it's gotten so much better for me. Like, even if me and the person don't end up together, I have yet to kind of like, when well, the last few years have a, like a, a dating like horror story. I'll say maybe one of them out of the last like three years, there was like one of them where I was like, oh, bruh, how did you slip past all of my safety precautions yeah um but other than that I think that when it comes to dating society um we put a box on necessary conversations so like is it too soon to talk about finances is it too soon to say hey this is what I'm looking for because I don't want to come off too strong um is it too soon to say I love you because I don't want to come off like crazy like there's so many rules to dating rather than right if you're dating multiple people at once you're a hoe or you're disrespectful whereas like I literally just went to dinner with you and went to dinner with you and all of a sudden I'm a hoe but I can go to dinner I can go to dinner with several different kinds of friends and be a, an amazing person but but I think that When it comes to dating, it's important for you to know what you're dating for. Um, are you dating just to meet people? Are you dating to meet people to see if y'all can create an exclusive connection? Are you dating for marriage? And I think stand on that. Like people make you feel bad. This I was on the Hinge app the other day. Moved out here to Los Angeles. I was on that app. And this guy said, what are you looking for? And I said, well, I'm not looking to marry someone tomorrow, but I'm also not looking for a hookup. I said, I'm looking for someone that I can build a genuine connection with and see where our compatibility lies and where that can take us. And he was like. That was such a great answer, too. He, he was like, I'm looking for that, too. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. 
<laughs> I, th- I thought this was going to go somewhere like, oh, I was just kind of looking for something quick and whatnot. But no, <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> you know? He was like, but he was mind blown by the way that I answered that question. He was like, no one has ever answered that question like that. And so I was like, I've had time to sit down and think about what I really want, you know? And I think also, too, the tough part about dating is the way people review the way people view rejection. People think that rejection means you're not good enough. But I think for me, I have taken rejection as redirection. So I take it as you just saying, you're just not the guy for me. And that's okay because you're moving out of the way so I can find the guy who is for me. And does it suck when like so many people are moving themselves out of the way? Yes. But what sucks even more is these horror stories that I hear about women who ended up having babies with guys that they hate, the co-parenting sucks, or they feel trapped, or they feel like they're in an abusive relationship. You know what I mean? So like not trying to compare apples to oranges, but being like, hey, Cass, like this, it could be worse than this current rejection. Like your story could be, you could be dating someone who is a serial cheater. Like <laughs> you could be, you know, I just made, I really just made it up right now. I don't know if someone's ever used it before. <laughs> yeah, but like I could be dating someone who's just horrible or I can just be sad for a few days that this guy didn't want to go on a date and then bounce back, be perfectly fine. And so I feel like when people are dating, stand on stand on the reason that you're dating, be upfront with it. Don't let no one waste your time just you think they're super cute because that's a problem too women and men and non-binary individuals have a problem of being like oh this person is so cute i'm gonna play their little texting game i'm gonna wait for them to text me back i'm gonna accept whatever they give me it's like no because you're you're just gonna teach them to continue disrespecting you like no if you know you're someone who likes a little bit more consistency when it comes to texting or dating or phone calls like stand on that don't change that that's true don't change that just because a lot of people i i've been guilty of it i'm like oh my god she took three four hours to respond i'm gonna take three four hours to respond even though i literally have the time and i would Mm -hmm. appreciate a text back within five ten minutes you know because that just shows your your level of commitment but that's some really good advice right there stand on your feelings yeah, and even if you know you're that kind of person, I, there's this one guy, he's an amazing man, and um, he ended up telling me he's not ready for a relationship. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. One of the things that I like about him is that I can say um, he's he, he does a really good job at trying to um, ease my overthinking. So, like, he'll be, one of the things that me and him, if he shoots me a text in the morning, I'll be like, hey, I'm going to a meeting. I probably won't touch you for two hours. Or he'll do the same thing. So there's no, like, it's been two to three hours. Why haven't you texted me back yet? It's just kind of like, I'm busy. But I can tell you've shown interest that you still want to talk to me. You just have to prioritize work more right now. And that's fair because work was here before I was here. So I think also, too, being intentional. And, and I'm like, this guy's not even my man. And I'm like, okay, if you're not my man and you're not someone that I'm officially dating, if you can do this, there's no way I'm stressing over another knucklehead who's making me feel bad 
for wanting you to text me. You know what I mean? When someone's doing this so effortlessly, there's no way I'm going to go stress over someone who makes it feel like I'm pulling their teeth to just communicate. And then also, too, I am very vocal about like, hey, these are some of the things that I like. If this is too much for you, that's okay. We could just be friends. But these are my non-negotiables. You know what I mean? Like, I, I won't make you feel bad for not living up to the standard or not being able to do it. But I also can't pretend like it's not something that I need to feel safe and secure in our dating experience or our relationship. Like, I can't not pretend like that's not vital for me. And I think sometimes we sacrifice those things just because we want the person to say, and then we're going to be disappointed anyway. And I think that all plays into how we take care of ourselves. You know, if somebody is emotionally connected with you and respects your time and respects your emotions, then at the end of the day, they're respecting the type of self-care that you give because it's all part of, Mm -hmm. it's a constant healing process from what I'm understanding. What are some Mm -hmm. of the strategies that you've seen other people do that has helped them because you know there's self-care what we do but what are some strategies people can start implementing i would say self-reflection is a big one um one of the things that i recently like learned about this past semester in school is the idea of transference or counter-transference but it's kind of like basically um if i'm fear if i'm fearful or i'm scared of like I don't know, you running out on me because I'm used to men running out on me. I'm going to start making you feel bad. Like, where are you? Why are you not here? Like, I'm not going to do all these extra. I'm transferring my fear to you and you're just at work. (laughs) So I think that when it comes to one of the, one of my big things for practicing self-care was really doing that inner reflection of like, Hey, like, I like to be communicated with this way because of X, Y, and Z. Like, I, you, you go in and figure out why. Not just like, it's just what I like. No, there's a reason why you like certain things. I like consistency. I like to know someone is there because maybe I've been abandoned. That's, and that's, that's hard to tell someone to get over being abandoned as a child. Like, you know what I mean? So if you are willing to love for me and care for me in that way, now I'm not going to ask you to do anything like you better text me every day at 7 p.m., but I will make it known like I need consistent communication because if not, I'll get worried about you. Like, you know what I mean? Like explaining that to someone. So I think one of the key things that people can do, as I said, is self-reflection for sure. Like, Know your shortcomings and why they're shortcomings in the first place. Do that internal work. Um, Recognize the things that help you heal or help you move forward. Um, I have surrounded myself with friends who speak my love language so well, which is words of affirmation. Ah, that's my, so majority of the friends that I hang out with, we are always like, cheering each other on we hold each other accountable but there's so much like I love that for you I'm happy for you and I know that not everybody can do that which is fine just give me the people who can do that because we like doing it to each other we got the time and the energy to be like you got this that business idea you got is going to be great we got the time to gas each other up and really go out and just 
put forth greatness into all the things that we do. So recognizing those specific things about myself. I'm also an introvert. So as much as I love being around people and talking, my friends also know the way that I recharge myself is isolation sometimes. I'm like, sorry, y'all. I'm tired. I would have not known that from these Mm -hmm. many years of knowing you. Mm -hmm. I got to go. I got to recharge solo by myself. I got to be like, all right, y'all. Right back tomorrow because I got to. I I like the peace and quiet to kind of like reboot myself and rest and stuff like that. And I went and found friends who don't get offended by that. They don't take it personal. They recognize like, oh, no, that's just how Cassie refills her cup. She doesn't not love me. She doesn't not want to be around me. She's just tired. So articulating who you find out who you are, articulate it boldly and proudly. Stand on your boundaries. Create internal and external boundaries. We're always talking about boundaries we need to set with other people. There's boundaries we also need to set with ourselves. Mm. There's also internal boundaries that we need. And for me, I would say my internal boundary is um, the way that I talk to myself. So if I'm like, I'm mad, this is so annoying, I I will give myself a moment to talk negative, but I won't give myself days on end to do so. Because I know that can lead me into a spiral of like being lazy and then not doing what I need to do. And then I'm falling behind at work. I'm falling behind in my business. And then I'm even more sad. So for me, an internal boundary that I have is like, get it off your chest, girl. But after this, we're going to have to find some grace and some gratitude because that's what you need to keep going. Since, Since I know what I need to get going, I cannot not give myself that. Like, if you know what you need to keep going and you don't give yourself that, you can't complain about anyone else disrespecting you or not caring about you. Because you're not, you're disrespecting you and you're not caring about you. And so I think that my friendships are a reflection of my friendship with myself. Wow, that's powerful. My dog is over there choking. (laughs) <laughs> no but yeah go ahead what are you saying yeah I, I one of the things that you also do um besides self-care is building self-confidence how do you build that with your clients because so, i've i'm sorry about that i i've met so many people who are introvert super confident mm-hmm. i've met so many people and i include myself in there that are extroverts but lack confidence in certain areas like Mm -hmm. i can be confident at work bold people know when i say something it means something total Mm -hmm. opposite in as a person in my personal life and love life it's like you know yeah Yeah. so how do you build confidence with your clients i will say one of the things that i'm because i'm not always confident but here is my trick that uh, I always say we go to the gym and we think of our body and we talk about muscles right for me I think of mental health and well um, self-care and wellness as muscle so I'm like okay Cassie how are you building your self-care muscle this week how are you building your self-confidence muscle this week you know how are you building your self-acceptance muscle how are you building your self-identity muscle those are to me those are muscles too and I got to put in the work to build those to strengthen those. 
And when it comes to self-confidence, one of the things that I've recognized is that the reason why people lack confidence is because they lack knowledge. It's just a lack of knowledge. You may not be confident in dating because you don't know how to date, because you weren't taught how to date. So for me, what I do with my clients is, let's go learn how to date. Let's see what we can do to figure out, to learn how to date, whether that's me challenging you to go to speed friending events, whether that's me challenging you to read a book or listen to a podcast, whether that's me challenging you to download the Hinge app and just have one conversation for the week. Like that is how we build that muscle around that thing. I've never met someone who knew how to do something who didn't have confidence in doing it. I think people who know how to do stuff and don't want to do it, to me, I think that's lazy, which is fine because that's a normal thing. But usually when you know how to do stuff, you're like, all right, cool. I got this in the game. Cool. It's because you know how to do it. So when you lack confidence in something, don't think it, don't think of it as you being less than, think of it as, oh, I just discovered something that I need to go teach myself about now. And that's how it is with my business. When I don't know stuff, I'm like, oh, dang, I need to go learn about LLCs. I need to go learn about a business bank account. So I'm no longer scared of an LLC. I'm no longer scared of a business bank account because I was like, it's, it's been brought to my attention. I don't know how this works. Now let me go do the work to figure it out. And then once I figure it out, I'm like, oh yeah, this is it. I, I no longer like that. I've grown that muscle. I've grown in that area. And so whatever that area is that people lack confidence in, I always encourage them like, hey, that's a sign. Go try to learn in that area. I love that. Thank you for that. So let's talk about Cassie's Cure because uh, 2020, the pandemic hit, and that's when your business started flourishing. That's when you actually mm-hmm. decided to make it a business, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oop, there goes the AirPod. <laughs> right. okay. I'm going to charge one because the, the other one. Low, but I'm oh, use this one. No worries. Um, so 2020 so yeah, has started. I was like, in January 2020, I was like, you know what? Um, this is actually what happened. A friend from undergrad was like, hey, let's have a wellness retreat together in 2019. And I was like, okay, cool. And I had just moved back to California and she was trying to get the ball going on the retreat. And I was like, I just started my first big girl job. I'm fresh out of grad school. I don't have the time. And she was like, you just do this. You just do this. And I'm thinking like, dang, um, this wasn't what we originally had agreed on, but I know she wanted me to be a part of it, but it was just hard just in that season in my life. And so January, 2020, I was like, I could just plan my own retreat. Like I was just like, I could just do it by myself. Like that way I can do it at my own pace. And um, I was like, I know how to plan retreats. I've done craft load of events in undergrad at Cal State San Bernardino. I'm going to plan a wellness retreat. And um, it was hard at first, though, too, because the retreat itself, having a retreat was her idea. I had a different completely style of retreat, but just the thought of having a retreat was her idea. So I had to kind of deal with her being like, you stole my idea. And I'm like, I didn't mean to steal your idea. 
And I was like, here's how I'm doing it. Like, I promise the agenda is not the same outside of the fact that we both got to feed people. Like, I can't let people starve just so I don't steal your retreat. But um, I branched off from her and I was like, I want to do my own thing. Like, I know I could do this on my own. And so I hired a business coach. And I don't know if you know her. Um, her name is Monica Hawkhausen. Um, I hired her to be my business coach. And I was like, I have no idea about business, but I know I want to start a business. What do I do? Hire a business coach. Kind of like that confidence thing. <laughs> hired a business coach. I worked with her for eight months up until like my very first retreat. And her and I, we like mapped out what my business was going to be about, what I wanted to offer, the coaching, the retreat. The workshops and now I feel like speaking engagements because people will hire me to come to their company or their school to do a wellness workshop and stuff like that but that was when I got really into it and the audience was easy to find and I created two separate profiles because I wanted to still have a human personal profile aside from my business because everyone's like you should merge the two and I was like well, no, because I have friends who don't care about self-care. I want to still be able to interact with them. And we don't have to talk about self-care. And all the people who care about self-care will go to the self-care page. The self-care page has surpassed my personal one, which I'm okay with. Because my personal ones, my college friends, my high school friends, my family, like, it is like my break from being a businesswoman on the internet. So when did... Cassie's cure blow up. 2020, January, you started it. You started mm -hmm. posting content on social media. You, uh, I'm sure you always had the vision of this growing exponentially. Yeah. But did you imagine having over 100,000 followers in two years? Or how long did it start picking up traction? I started... Last January, with forty three hundred followers. Forty three hundred last January. 40. Wow. And basically, I grew like ninety six thousand followers over last year. How? A little bit more than that. I was like, how? So <laughs> but, many um, business people would love, myself included, to build <laughs> what you have built. But you're doing with um, passion, and I feel like, I mean, I'm doing it with passion, too, but yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, like, wait a minute. What's the Krabby Patty formula? Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a reel that went viral, and it's so funny because I was actually mad when I posted that reel. It was January at the top of the year last year. I posted this reel, and it was like six gentle reminders as we head into the new year. And I was like, I am tired of everyone being like, it's the new year. You need to set goals or you need to hire this business coach or you need to do it. And so in the real, I was like, here are six reminders. If you don't have not one goal heading into this year, that's fine. You also don't have to share your goals with social media. Like it's okay to set your goals next month. Like I was just kind of like so anti goals, anti New Year's. And I was like, Give yourself grace. Don't set goals because these business coaches are telling you that's what you need to do. And that post, I went to sleep and woke up and it had like 3,000 likes. And people were like, oh my gosh, I, I, I use a trending audio. 
<laughs> and people were like, oh my gosh, I needed to see this. Thank you, because I've been seeing it all up and down my timeline. This makes me feel so much better. And I was like, oh, dang. And so I was like, all right, cool. A couple hundred followers. And kept being like a couple hundred followers every day. And I was like, dang, like, I think I just posted the reel of the year. By the end of January, that reel had got me up to 10K followers. I got 6,000 followers off of that reel alone. And once I had hit 10K, you know, obviously Instagram allows you to start monetizing and all those kind of things. But as those people were coming over, they started checking out the other content I posted. And they were like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy I found your page. And I was just like, thanks. And they started sharing my content. So it started being like a, all of my content that I had posted in like 20, 20, 2020 or something. Because last year was 2022. 2021. All the content that I posted in 2021, I started being seeing it resurface on 2022. And I was like, what? And people were like, I have been looking for a page like you. Your page is so helpful. Your page is this and your page is that. And I'm like, my page is really just me sharing my story. My page is me teaching people how I practice, build up my self-confidence, how I practice self-care. Like literally, my page is literally, like, it's like my, like my diary, like my, 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 my journal, my blog. Like, you know? But now I'm like, okay, well, I can share the tips and resources that I use for self-care and mental health and launching the apparel last year too was kind of crazy for sure. I added that component to the business and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a business. I still to this day, I'm always like, I'm a business owner. This is real. This is is crazy. (laughs) You're a boss. That's what you are. Was there anyone on social media that has reached out? And by that, I mean a famous person or somebody that you admired and you were just like whoa like I can't believe like I touched this person or they reached out when I dropped my um the little soft girl season definitions on my business page that post went viral again too that post got me like 40k followers like it was like women were like oh I'm so tired of living like in survival mode I want to be softer I want to just and I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting it to blow up. And I've had like, um, what's her name? Uh, Jada Pinkett's mom. Ah! Red Table Talk. I've had, <laughs> yeah, her mom commented on my stuff. I've had, I think it was like Tia or Tamara Mori, like repost. I love that. Like people will show me that, like the celebrities who are reposting it. Like I don't even never see it myself. Yeah, like, you have so many notifications that you can't really filter them. Yeah. You're like, this person, um, you know, uh, we'll call it Molly from the TV show Insecure. Yes. Um, she, like, reposted my software and stuff. And people were like, yo, these celebrities are reposting your content. And I was like, oh. like, that's cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, if you would have told me I would have been here, I would not have believed you. I did not know that that was, I didn't predict that. I just was like, look, I'm just sharing my brain and my healing world, and I'm just trying to help other people. 
practice self-care and prioritize themselves as well. Like With great power comes great responsibility. We've all heard of that from Spider-Man. And as we get <laughs> older, it becomes more apparent, at, and especially as business owners. As somebody who's been practicing and sharing self-care and now going into a counseling program, are there some things that you're just like, ooh, now that I'm going down the line, that I'm like, well, maybe that has transformed or I probably could have said that better or I should be more careful with this aspect because I don't want to confuse people or has this just been, you know what, I'm going to be true to myself regardless, but it's my healing and I'm trying to reiterate it is my process. Yeah, I I don't think I've had anything where I'm like, oh, I should have said that differently. I definitely had people being like, oh, your soft girl season definition is dumb. This is like, I've, I've had people tell me like some of the stuff that I say is dumb, but all of the stuff that they have said that they think is dumb, I'm like, well, if you read the caption, I literally say, hey, it's for me. Give me one second so I can kill that noise. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's for you. It's part of your healing and it's part of how you're processing things. And again, as you start blowing up on social media or anywhere, you come to find these haters. Do And I guess that leads to my next question. When you're coming across these haters, do you pay attention to them? Has any of them affected you, um, especially as a self-care and wellness coach because you're human. Yeah. So I will say so it, I won't say they affect me, but they shock me. Cause I'm sitting here like, how do you come to a self care and wellness page with so much like hatred and like rudeness? Like, that's weird to me. Like, this is like a nice page. And someone's like, this is so dumb. Women are always trying to, pro-. I literally had a guy like, women are going through another season of like trying to take care of themselves. This is so dumb. And I'm like, you want a woman just to suffer 24 seven? Like, I don't, I don't like, you know, so it's, it, no, I blocked. <laughs> so I will block people because I kind of also have to, with having a large following, I can't respond to everything. So my response is, oh, I got to block you because I don't need this kind of energy on my page. I don't want to see it. Um, I don't need to internalize it because that's the way you view life. That's fine. I don't know you. You're a stranger on the internet. Just don't want you in my space, so I'm just going to block you. Like, I don't even have to entertain it. I've, I've shown my method of educating and sharing, and I don't let negative comments steer or deter the way that I'm going to produce information. You want to be negative? You can also be blocked. Like, <laughs> that's, that's it. And if I do comment about it, I will comment about it in a story. Like, so like sometimes I'll be like, hey, I got this post. I also just want to remind y'all in the caption, I say, define it for yourself, though. I'm not understanding how, like, if you read, God, you didn't read that part. Because I always tell people, like, don't let me be the determining factor for how you practice self-care. Because I'm not going to let you be the determining factor for how I practice it. You got to go in and figure out what it is for yourself. Like, that's like my main thing of my brand. Like, 
figure it out for yourself. I'll give you these tangible tools. I'll give you these things to, to think about. But like at the end of the day, the decision's yours. So I want you to make it. Yeah, like I, I, I can guide you towards making it, but you are going to make the decision at the end of the day. Not, not yeah. As a business owner, and I have to ask, have you faced any pushback from being a woman and being a black woman? I haven't came across that yet because, I mean, I'm pretty sure it could be out there. Um, but I haven't had any pushback just yet from being um, a woman or a black woman. I will say that I have, excuse me, been trying to be boxed in before as far as like, oh, you do this for black women. And I'm like, no, I just do this for women in general. And they're like, but you could do this for black women. And black women is the highest part, is, is like the biggest part of my audience. I'm like, this is for women in general. And I'm like, I love being a black woman. And I do want black women to tap in, but I also want women in general to tap in. I, I don't want to just exclude other women. Um, I want to love on black women and I want to love on other women at the same time. But so a lot, that's one thing that I will say, I think probably does happen because I'm a black woman. People think my business is only for black women, but I'm like, no, you don't have to be black to, to follow me or to attend my event. Like, oh. yeah, I love that. My podcast is name is Echale, which in English, it means to put in. So I have to ask you, what do you want to leave on this earth? What do you want to put in? What does Cassie want to, what is her paw print, as they would say at Cassie San Bernardino? <laughs> I think for me, I want to leave the mark of helping people be more confident in who they are and what they can do. Like, I want to inspire people to really go after living a life they love, mentally, emotionally financially like all these like I really want people to have more peaceful days than harmful days when their life is all said and done. I want them to be able to kind of look back and be like I was only here for three million days but two point nine 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 of the million I loved it. And then I had those hiccups in between. Like, that is what I really want to leave and just people prioritizing their peace and their happiness and choosing that over just stress and work and self-doubt. My, my dog is over me in this podcast. She's like, girl, enough is enough. But that's what I want. That's what I want to leave. Well, that is amazing. And if you're listening to this and if you need and want to check out uh, Cassie's page i definitely encourage you it'll be in the show notes in the description below cassie where can people find you and what can people expect to find on your page yes people can find me anywhere on the internet cassiescure.com um at cassiescure on instagram be careful there are fake pages out there right now who are just trying to go after all my followers but cassiescure.com on tiktok cassiescure i mean cassiescure on TikTok, Cassie's Cure on Twitter, Cassie's Cure on Instagram, Cassie'sCure.com, Cassie's Cure shop for the merch. And people can expect to find self-care tips and strategies of me just teaching people how to practice self-care 
and love themselves better unapologetically. Like you are going to just get all these gems from a self-care coach and a future therapist. (laughs) Cassie, you're a ray of sunshine. I'm so glad I was able to connect with you after so many years. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for having me anytime, anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Cassie. Make sure you go ahead and check her out. Gracias por escuchar Echale Podcast. If you made it this far, I ask of you one thing. If this podcast made you think, reflect, or enter an existential crisis, then share it with me on social media. Nothing would make me happier than knowing that these stories had a real impact. Nos vemos el próximo martes with more stories and más chisme. This was Echale Podcast.